The smallest town in Wyoming is Buford. Buford, Buford. yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Population. On the, the news. Oh, for what? Oh, uh, a couple years back, it was on the news because the one person who lived there was selling his house. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's great! So it was like uh, the smallest town in America is for sale. <laughs> <laughs> um, Buford actually has a post office, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah the guy that sort of bought the place and started it like he was the mayor he was the post office general he was like everything he was everything the town needed <laughs> yeah i mean so a wait. lot of these mm-hmm. what oh, oh oh i was just curious like did it start out as like a larger town and then just shrink down to one person or no, did he, he he like bought it and made his own town <laughs> like <laughs> so he like bought the land um, and then built the post office yeah you like you know made a building for the post office, made a building for his house. There's only like half a dozen buildings there, but yeah. I mean, it was on the interstate. It's a tourist trap, like on the interstate, like. Yeah. <laughs> I always just figured he had moved, like that there had been a town there and then it slowly dwindled down to one person. I didn't realize that he went out and built the whole thing himself. Yep. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Although I do wonder like why no one moved there. I do kind of want them to that sometimes. Like, I mean, sure, there's not a lot attracting about it, but uh, there's a lot of people out there. And I don't know. I'm just kind of surprised that no one ever moved there. Yeah. Yeah, Where, that is interesting. Where is Buford re- relative to the rest of Wyoming? Sort of center? Or? Between Laramie and Cheyenne, right? I think so. Yeah. Oh. Like, like yeah along like major part of the interstate <laughs> yeah that's like the most densely populated pl- like area of wyoming <laughs> yeah yeah. Hmm. yeah so weird i mean maybe he wouldn't let anybody move in because then he would ruin the like ruin the whole smallest town in the u.s deal yeah <laughs> <laughs> let else move in then you've got like what top population three no it's too big there goes the neighborhood <laughs> So welcome back to Dreams of the Past podcast. I'm Rachel and this is Mish and we've got a special guest today. Mish, you want to introduce our special guest? (laughs) Yeah, this is Ryan, a friend of ours from here in Wyoming. Um, Ryan also has some familiarity with Supernatural, but more importantly, is a dyed-in-the-wool Wyomingite. (laughs) Um, Born and raised. Born and raised. Has some great opinions about Wyoming and yeah do you want to say anything about yourself Ryan? Uh, I think you did quite well thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And also in case you didn't know by the introduction uh, we are going to be doing this episode on Wyoming and how it relates to Supernatural and just a little bit of background information about uh, where we're all from. So Supernatural has sort of a interesting relationship with Wyoming uh, where it, the end of, what is it, the first season? Season one finale? Season two. Season, season two. two finale. Mm-hmm. Sorry, the season two finale is set in Wyoming with the Devil's Gate. And Mish and I poured over the screen 
<laughs> of the map that they have because we were trying so hard to figure out where exactly <laughs> the Devil's Gate is supposed to be, which was a very amusing exercise because it turns out that it looks like they made two different maps and the, the Devil's Gate is in different places on two different maps. So I was looking at it and I was convinced it was somewhere between Rollins and Rock Springs. And then Mish, where did you figure out it was from your side? I thought it was um, sort of in the desert between Muddy Gap and Casper. And actually Ryan has an interesting thought about oh, yeah? that. Yeah, so we're talking about it and uh, sort of in that same general area is Hell's Half Acre. Um, which oh. I know that like they film a lot of movies that like you know sci-fi fantasy there and plus the naming like mm-hmm. kind of fit mm-hmm. yeah that makes a lot of sense although I always am amused and I've gone on a rant about this before on the podcast about how where they film Supernatural looks absolutely nothing like Wyoming <laughs> <laughs> especially either of the parts of Wyoming that we're talking about right, right. like this is the desert we're talking about. Yeah, it's very red and dry, and there are no trees. And then you look at the episode of Supernatural, and it's like, oh, that's clearly the Pacific Northwest. It's got ferns <laughs> and moss. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. It reminds me of, um, I also watch a show called The Librarians. Um, and they had an episode that was supposedly set at Mount Rushmore. Oh, no! <laughs> it was, like, clearly a rainforest. Like, not even just, like, a generic, <laughs> like, heavily wooded forest, like, could be, like, anywhere reasonably damp in the U.S. It's like, no, this is a rainforest. <laughs> well, nice. I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's interesting, uh, because didn't Wyoming... Uh, in the early days of film, wasn't it one of the premier locations for filming Westerns? And then that sort of trailed off because they changed the tax structure or something? I'm not really sure of the history of that. I don't know if... Yeah, part, part, so part of it was tax structure, but it was largely just political. Like, oh, really? They just, they just wanted more money uh, <laughs> from Hollywood to film movies out here. Um, and another part of it, too, was that all the old Westerns that you see a lot of large horse farms uh, mm-hmm. were centered outside or inside of Wyoming. Um, and so there's ranches today that will specifically lease out their horses to Hollywood for those scenes where you need like, you know, 2,000 or 10,000 horses. Mm. But that has definitely shifted over the years. Yet the horse farms are still largely based in Wyoming. Mm. Oh. oh, interesting. Yeah, because I know a lot of, like, um, there was recently Wind River, that movie that came out about our hometown, basically, and uh, Mm -hmm. it was not filmed in Wyoming at all, as my understanding. It was filmed mostly in Nevada? There was a scene, I don't, there was, like, one or two scenes that were filmed here. Oh, really? And the reason I know that is because um, they were filming on the road that I live on, as I was driving every day I would pass them uh, and they had like a cop car <laughs> that was sitting there um like for like security reasons or whatever I don't know mm-hmm. um so one day I was running late for work and I was going like 10 miles over the speed limit and I got ticketed even though oh, there's no. like usually never a cop there because <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, so Jeremy Renner <laughs> 
this. <laughs> yeah, Jeremy Renner, is, Jeremy Renner is the exact reason you got a speeding ticket. <laughs> yes. I love that. That's so funny. It wasn't my fault at all. No. <laughs> Well, well, I'm not they, surprised they were filming near your house. The view from your house is gorgeous, so. Mm-hmm. Well, and they were trying to uh, film it mostly inside of the, you know, greater Wind River area, but the uh, the reservation kept asking for more money from them, mm-hmm. and so finally Hollywood said, no, we're not going to do it, but they still filmed some scenes from the road because they were legally allowed to do that without paying any money to, uh, oh. because it's public, quote-unquote, um. And so all the scenes inside of Wyoming that you see are all Filmed from the from road. The road. Well, yeah. I mean, the, the Shoshone Arapaho reservation isn't all of the Wind River. So could they not film outside of the reservation without the reservation's permission? Or how does that work? I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know the rest of that story, mm-hmm. but. That's okay. I was just curious, but yeah, not yeah. a particularly important point. <laughs> but I mean, I think that because so much of early Westerns were filmed in Wyoming or set in Wyoming, Wyoming has a little bit of the mysticism of the cowboy, which in a way, um, Wyoming sort of co-ops. I don't know. There are a lot of different like cowboy-ish states, but like a Texan cowboy is very different from a Wyoming cowboy in my mind. You guys would agree with that? Sure. I mean, there's, there's definitely... I mean, growing up on a ranch, like, mm-hmm. there are some similarities, but there are some differences, too, and I'd say the biggest difference differences all revolve around how we grow our hay and how we graze our cattle, mm-hmm. um, because out here, everything is rangeland. Like, mm-hmm. we have, we very rarely range grass or irrigated, um, whereas, you know, down in Texas or you know, over in Nebraska, et cetera, you, it's very easy to find plenty of grass for them. Out here, it's like, you know, one cow per 10 acres because mm-hmm. um, it's just sagebrush and bright grass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I would say there's probably like a cultural difference too, though. Like when I was in Kentucky, so I went to college in Kentucky. When I was there, there were people who were like, who considered themselves country Mm. And walked around wearing, you know, like work jeans, cowboy boots. They had the Copenhagen rings on their pockets. The Western with the mother of pearl snap shirts. Like they were sort of all in on a particular style and the way they talked, the music they listened to. Like, but they weren't like people who had ever been on a ranch, you know? Mm Not to say that there aren't people from Kentucky who genuinely, you know, grew up on farms and stuff like that. Uh, Just that there's sort of a culture of a country aesthetic there that some people buy into without um, having the experience that we would assume would go hand in hand with that. I mean, and I would say that especially because Nashville is in the south, uh, in that area of the south, roughly, Mm -hmm. that there's definitely a center of what we would probably consider country culture there because of that's the center for country music in a lot of ways. But there's a very big difference between southern country and Texan country and Wyoming country. And I think of Texans as a lot flashier (laughs) than people from Wyoming. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Also, a uh, small pet peeve of mine, if you want to look country, 
wear your pants on the outside of your boots. <laughs> Everyone oh does that wrong. Oh my God. I went to a play once um, that was like, had a character in it that was a cowboy. And this guy comes on stage and he's supposed to be like all like duded up in his like fancy clothes for some party after the rodeo. And he's got on the nastiest pair of work boots I've ever seen with his jeans tucked into them. What? He's not even wearing cowboy boots and the jeans are tucked in. Well, I mean, they were, they were cowboy boots, but they were like, oh, they were like cowboy boots. They were like not fancy. (laughs) Also, another pet peeve of mine is people referring to chaps as assless chaps. Because I always point out, <laughs> all chaps are assless. <laughs> like, yeah, that's the point of chaps. <laughs> if they're not, they're just pants. Yeah. Um, so you brought up earlier today um, when we were talking, you mentioned something about why Wyoming in particular. And I have oh. some thoughts about that. Well, yeah, and specifically my question was, um, why in Wyoming, of the three Devil's Gates in the entire series of Supernatural that we know about, we only know the location of two of them, and they are both in Wyoming, which is an interesting choice. (laughs) Yes. So I have some thoughts. I have some thoughts. They're a little disconnected, but maybe you guys will be able to expand. So first, like just in terms of practicality, Wyoming is the least populous state. Um, So if they're going to be like, if you're going to hide some terrible supernatural secret somewhere, like it's probably a good choice. Yeah, there are definitely Um, times where I've like driven through Wyoming and looked around and be like, you know, if if somebody wanted to hide something off of one of these like roads here, it would not be hard. (laughs) As long as you stay away from the Oregon Trail, like, nobody's ever going to find it. Oh, my God. A quick anecdote. I was driving. um, I was, I recently just visited my grandmother, like, in Wyoming yesterday. So I just got back. And as I was driving down to Denver, I saw some cops by the side of the road. And it was like, they hadn't pulled anyone over or anything. And it was, like, next to his construction crew. And I was talking with the person I was with. I was like, that's really weird. Like, I wonder if they found something. And then guys like, and the person I was with was like, oh, maybe it's a body. And I'm like, yeah, but if I was in Wyoming, I wouldn't dump a body near the highway. There's so many better. (laughs) 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 Anyway. That's a good point. (laughs) Well, so my girlfriend, Nicole, is just talking about her uh, show that she's been watching called Yellowstone. Oh, yeah. Apparently, it is, like, they make a number of references to dumping bodies on the side of the road, like, over by Casper. Oh, really? Um, Yeah, just, like, on the side of the road, no one will ever find it. It's like, okay, that's fine. Like, I don't know why you do it next to the highway. Like, I understand dumping it next to the road, because, like, then you don't have to carry this body for, you know, miles to the sagebrush. But, like, there are so many back roads out here, like... Just hop on a back road and drive for like 60, 70, 80 miles. And yeah. yeah. Or it's also if you have like a truck, like you can just drive out, you can drive off road in the yeah. red desert and like no one would ever find. Uh, anyway, you were saying about uh, it's um, remote. Um, and actually, our conversation just now kind of brings me to my second point, which is that there are a lot of major throughways that go through the state of Wyoming, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, when it was the Oregon Trail, that came through Wyoming. And when it was 
the Continental Railroad that came through Wyoming, when it was the first highway system that came through Wyoming, even today, like the I-80 corridor in Wyoming is one of the most heavily trafficked pieces of road in the country mm-hmm. um, in terms of like long haul transportation. So yeah, you and know. Cheyenne was a huge, Cheyenne and Laramie were both huge hubs of uh, railroad traffic for a really long time, right? Right, right. So Wyoming is remote but accessible, right? Because yes. you can hop on the road and you're here. Right. Um, but I think there's also, so we've talked before about liminal spaces. Ryan, are you familiar with this concept? Um, so a, a liminal space is basically... Um, so I visualize it as like a doorway. So like if you're going to walk into the mudroom, on this side of the door, you're in the kitchen. On that side of the door, you're in the mudroom. While you're standing in the doorway, you're in a space in between, and you're kind of in both, and you're kind of not in either. That's a liminal space. Okay. And so liminal spaces are really sort of key to horror and sometimes comedy. Like... Um, Things people are scared about often have to do with liminal spaces or uh, a lot of rituals in society also often have to do with liminal spaces. So like high school graduation, um, like when you graduate high school, you're on this cusp between being in school and not being in school, being a kid and being an adult. And so we have a graduation ceremony that marks the liminal space and sort of gives you a guide to move through it. Okay. Yeah. So that's the quick and dirty on liminal spaces. (laughs) And so uh, liminal spaces as a part of like traveling culture and road culture Mm. is an idea that's really interesting to me and one that we'll probably revisit in our next episode on Americana. Mm -hmm. This notion of like rest stops as a liminal space or like campsites that were frequently used on Oregon Trail as a kind of liminal space, things like that are to me not insignificant to the idea of a lot of supernatural episodes being set in Wyoming. Mm -hmm. Because Wyoming itself is sort of a liminal space in that it's accessible but remote and unpopulated, but also... Yeah, because I feel like if you really wanted to hide something and you had to have it on U.S. soil, you would hide it in, like, Alaska somewhere, right? Like, yeah, Wyoming is the least populous state, but Alaska is still less dense just because it's so large. Although Supernatural never really takes place anywhere outside of the continental U.S., except for that one episode where they go to Scotland for no good reason. Um, (laughs) Yeah, because they, they are so focused on the continental U.S., Wyoming is, makes a lot of sense for, um, for remoteness and inex- like both accessibility and inaccessibility in a weird way. Also, it ties into sort of the legend of Samuel Colt that mm-hmm. Supernatural has going for it, which is, I was reading up on Samuel Colt, and uh, there is no historical evidence that I could find from a, a brief, admittedly, uh, internet search that he had ever been to Wyoming (laughs) or that he had ever really like done anything in Wyoming. (laughs) Um, He mostly was focused on like he was based in Connecticut and New Jersey for the most part and um, 1835 the year they said that he would have created the cult 
was one of the years he was uh, traveling to Europe, so <laughs> it's possible, I guess, but I mean, I'd have to like actually dig into the timeline of things, but they, the Supernatural writers clearly just took him as a figurehead and made their own character based on a historical figure, but the, the character is very different from the historical figure. <laughs> you know, something that um, this sort of ties into my third reason. So something that really surprises me is that there's never been a mention of John Coulter or the fact that for a period of time, Yellowstone was known as Coulter's Hell. Mm. And I think Yellowstone, Devil's Tower, even the Black Hills over in the northern part of the state bordering South Dakota, there are a lot of places in Wyoming that are sort of weird or unusual spaces a lot of times haven't been taken over by white communities in the way they have in more heavily populated areas Mm. so they still sort of exist the way that they we imagine they have for thousands of years and again I really can't emphasize enough that some of them are pretty weird (laughs) the hell's half acre that we were talking about before looks really weird. Yellowstone with all of its um, geothermal stuff going on, like that's a little unusual. There's Yeah. Yeah. Yellowstone looks like nowhere else on earth. It's kind of insane. (laughs) Yeah. And the sulfur smell, like there are a lot, there's a lot of geothermal activity in Wyoming and there are a lot of places that smell like sulfur, which in Supernatural is associated with the presence of demons. Yeah, so I kind of wonder why they went with Samuel Colt and not someone like John Coulter. I mean, obviously, Samuel Colt has a larger mythology attached to his name because of his association with cowboys, six-gun fights, and all that fun stuff. But, I mean, John Coulter was right there. (laughs) Yeah, and it's also interesting because, like, even though... Yes, there is this sort of mystique around Samuel Colt as a figure. It's more Samuel Colt's guns that are important in the West than the figure himself. Like, he wasn't actually an active player in the West, and he didn't really do a lot that we would consider traditionally, like, cowboy-ish or anything like that. It was more the fact that his guns became such an integral part of Western culture that really solidifies his claim to fame in the West. But again, I agree that it's interesting that they chose him as a figure as opposed to, I don't know, like Samuel Walker, who like was part of the Texas Rangers and like would have been a much more logical figure for not exactly creating the gun, but like as a, as a a character to, to focus on. Yeah. Yeah, Or even like mountain men who were here, right? Like Kit Carson or someone. Jeremiah Johnson. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's also a lot of other really interesting historical figures who are centered around the West and Wyoming in particular, like um, Butch Cassidy, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, what? Who is it that's supposed to have a cabin near Lander? Uh, Uh, Hickman. I don't remember his first name. John Hickman, maybe. Mm -hmm. Well, part of the original like Mormon movement following whatever you call that, like back with Brigham Young and Joseph Smith. Okay. Um, cabin out near Lander, mm-hmm. supposedly. Supposedly. Mm-hmm. Supposedly. 
Yeah. And didn't uh, Butch Cassidy used to hang out up in South Pass City? Oh, that's a that's a thought that I hadn't had earlier. But Wyoming does also have a lot of ghost towns, which I wonder if that's not yeah. a factor. Yeah. So those are my thoughts around why Wyoming. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I don't know if I had any more like comments necessarily on it, other than the fact that like it's that. I always get a little bit ruffled that they're trying to represent Wyoming with VC because it's just so funny. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> they look nothing alike. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Isn't that true of most movies, though? Like, most of the time they film them somewhere completely unrelated to where they actually are. Yeah. 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 That's a fair point. That's a fair point. It's just like, Wyoming, it's not, I mean, I can't imagine it's that hard to go out and find somewhere that looks Wyoming-esque. Just like go find somewhere with a lot of sagebrush. (laughs) Yeah. Don't go to rainforest. Don't go to where there's a lot of trees. Like, (laughs) it's not that hard. Yeah. I mean, also, (laughs) it's, I mean, other than Yellowstone, which looks somewhat like the rest of Wyoming, but also has that sort of otherworldliness that we were talking about earlier. I don't, not very many people have been to Wyoming, so <laughs> we're sort of unique in the fact that we actually can look at it and be like, oh, that doesn't look right. Whereas most people, if you show them a picture of Nevada or Montana or somewhere, even in Texas, like they'd probably be like, oh yeah, sure. That looks like Wyoming. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's like a practical reason that they might set things in Wyoming, right? Like less people are going to complain. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it comes back to that, like, low population. <laughs> you said Downey Street and Lander. There is no Downey Street and Lander. How many people care? Yeah. <laughs> the, I like, think the people who care are here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think we may represent yeah. the entire population of people who care. <laughs> yeah. Although, like, I just keep coming back to you. Like, there are definitely some, like, weird places in Wyoming. Like, I think about... Like once the old Lincoln Highway that goes um, from Laramie to Casper, I was driving up that once with my dad, uh, and there's like a railroad there that mostly isn't used anymore, and there was this huge train there that had tanks on it and guys with guns and like big things covered with canvas cloths that were being guarded. There are definitely, like, military sites in Wyoming. So Supernatural wasn't the first person to have the idea of hiding (laughs) random things in the middle of the Wyoming desert. No, I I don't think so. And won't be the last, I'm sure. (laughs) I mean, there's one really big military base in, like, Nevada that I've driven by that's, like, like really, really hidden that's, like, kind of suspicious looking. Um. <laughs> <laughs> you mean the where you're going by the signs? It's like do not drive off the road. Yes, <laughs> like danger exactly. of you know who knows what. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I also like the, the like little towns in uh, Wyoming that are semi-abandoned, like a uh, Jeffrey City and places like that. <laughs> or uh, they're I don't know. I really like the aesthetic of places like that, but it's definitely um it's sort of creepy if you're not, especially if you're not used to it. It's definitely uh, feels very ghost townish and even like we have actual ghost towns like Atlantic City that are like old versions of mining towns or 
such that have been abandoned, but also we have sort of modern um, ghost towns in a lot of ways too. Well, and I mean, Wyoming has more like towns. I don't know if they're all like official like U.S. towns, but more towns with, you know, town signs uh, with population under 500 than we do towns over 500. Like there are a lot of towns in Wyoming that have somewhere between, you know, two and 15 people. Yeah. That is common. Right. Um, And a lot of them are just like out in the middle of the desert, like yeah, if 50 not miles. all of them, yeah. like, they're remote. Yeah. <laughs> Their nearest store is an hour drive. Right. And well, unless, you're not going to see many houses between. <laughs> yeah, unless they happen to have a gas station. Sometimes they have a gas station. Sometimes they have a gas station. Money Gap! Great gas station. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Money Gap has a gas station and a fire department. Oh yeah, they're pass- they're practically thriving metropolis. <laughs> what is that? Population two of Money Gap? Is that? I don't know. Oh, it's I been a while. It's a little more than that. I think it's yeah. like twenty. Okay. Oh. If you hear squeaking in the background, that's my dog. Stormy, <laughs> come here. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I think like a lot of these small towns, like a lot of them are like the post office for like a hundred mile circumference region right you know it's like yeah like two people live there but like 300 people get their mail there yeah that's one of the things I try and communicate to people about the experience of being in Wyoming that's very unique in the U.S. is that it's not even so much that there are small towns because I have a friend who who grew up in a town in Washington that's smaller than Lander but it's more that how remote each town is like the closest like real town to Lander is a hour drive away really and it's not even that we're we're not even that remote in Lander well like my uh dad's best friend he drives his kids to work every morning he lives out in Jeffrey City drives oh to Lander every morning it was just over an hour to drive his kids to school every morning mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. it's a long commute time and yet like he loves it out there he has yeah. you know three or four neighbors that live near him, like being within a mile. Mm-hmm. Um, and he bought, I don't know, probably close to a hundred acres for like $50,000, like real cheap. <laughs> yeah. Bought a house on it and the whole thing. And like, it was a nice plot of land. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. And like mm-hmm. there, there are other things about Wyoming that people not from here just like, struggle with right some of them being like physical objects like out by jeffrey city you often see these like square boxes um (laughs) like about the size of a milk crate just like sitting out by themselves at the end of some dirt road right Mm -hmm. and it's it's for packages right it's for your Mm mail Mm -hmm. um but like if you're not from a rural place and you see that that's going to be real confusing. Or yeah. like snow fences. People yes. are so confused. <laughs> uh, man, I had a great interaction with somebody who was from like one of the Dakotas and we were reminiscing about being from that area of the world and we were like, oh man, you know what I miss? The snow fences. Like just having them dotted all over the, <laughs> over the highways. And it's definitely something that uh, I've, I was definitely confused when I moved to Wyoming what they were for and was glad when somebody explained that they are 
protect the highway from all the snowdrifts. <laughs> <laughs> so in our episode about heroism, um, mm-hmm. we talked about um, the relationship between supernatural and westerns. Um, and I think that might be at play here as well. Like we kind of touched on this already with Samuel Colt and remoteness and the way that things used to be filmed in Wyoming but aren't anymore. Um, but I think that might be a big factor is that mythology of the Western and its relationship with this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, like the cowboy code, quote unquote, there is definitely a significant rumor that that was started like in Wyoming. That was a Wyoming thing for a long time. And still, like, if you go to a lot of the, like, big rodeos, that is something that they will talk about at the rodeo. And that is very much, like, that sort of, like, humility, heroism-type mentality that is portrayed in a lot of those sort of, like, lone character hero types, such as, you know, the people in Supernatural, Exemplar, you know, show that sort of stuff. Yeah, that's a good point. Can you elaborate on the cowboy code? Because I don't actually, I don't know if I know what that is. Oh, here, let me just pull it up real quick. Because oh, sweet. Thank you. I don't know by heart. <laughs> Do you know what it is, Mart? I'm familiar with it because I've heard it at rodeos, but right. I couldn't, like, quote it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here, there's a thought. Do you think we'll ever hear a Chris Ledoux song in a Supernatural episode? <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's interesting because, um, like, as much as uh, Supernatural draws on the Western genre and how it clearly has a lot of romanticism surrounding um, cowboys as, like, you, it's a very American thing, cowboys, and to romanticize cowboys, so you can't really have show, a show that's so blatantly American as Supernatural is without r- romanticizing that. But they also romanticize a lot of 70s culture um, in the big muscle cars and the music that they use and that sort of thing. And it's a very different feel than pure Western and pure cowboy. Yeah. I don't know, though. This cowboy's hat is a very Dean Winchester song. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. <laughs> so i got the cowboy code of ethics so the cowboy code of ethics is so there's a few sentences um live each day with honesty and courage when you make a promise keep it be honest in thought word and deed practice tolerance and understanding always do your best take pride in your work do what has to be done be tough but fair always finish what you start be willing to stand up for what's right Remember that some things aren't for sale. Be good steward of the land and its animals. Put the welfare of your family above your own. Study hard and learn all you can. Be curious and open-minded. Huh. I, I, you know, I, yeah, it must have been a very long time since I've heard that because I don't really remember that. But it does yeah. definitely fit in with a bit of the credo of uh, the Winchester brothers, especially the whole, like, put family before yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think they follow a lot of the things in there. Yeah, I do. Um, I can think of any examples where they didn't. But again, that's just sort of like the humble hero that you see in a lot of movies and shows. Yeah, yeah. It, it it very much fits in with this, this sort of ethic of conduct of knights errant with chivalry or mm-hmm. even the 
or even wuxia, uh, which are night errants in China, they fulfill, uh, fit into that particular brand of morality. And it's, yeah, I agree that it's definitely something that you see in a lot of different genres and different characters throughout the ages in a lot of different cultures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, I don't want to get started on night chivalry. <laughs> I know. I, it's sort of like, it's like a little, like, tiny bomb. I just, like, flew in. I was like, oh, yeah, like. <laughs> that said, it's not, so when there is, like, some sort of warrior class, especially a warrior class that has a somewhat equal footing to the nobility, mm-hmm. It's not unusual for society to come up with a set of rules of conduct for them to follow. And it's not surprising that a lot of those rules of conduct sound sort of similar Mm -hmm. because they're often trying to achieve similar things, right? Basically, you take this human and you teach them to fight from the time they're born. You give them all the money and resources they need to have the best tools of warfare they possibly can at their disposal. And then you set them loose on society. Unless, unless you've also given them clear rules of conduct, uh, then you've just created a really bad highwayman. <laughs> right, right. Like that could be a recipe for disaster. Um, and that was a problem in medieval Europe. Actually, I mean, it was also uh, something that uh, with the samurai in Japan, you had to be really, really careful of because the exact, it's basically the exact situation that you're describing. And um, I'm led to understand that there's quite an interesting relationship between basically the Western genre and also uh, Japanese samurai culture. And then there's a lot of influence between samurai movies and Westerns. Uh, especially with uh, Kira Kurosawa and um, some of the early... <laughs> You're nodding yes. your head so frantically. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, that's kind of what the Winchesters were too, right? They were warriors. They were trained from birth. And I mean, a lot of the movie is kind of like how much trouble can they get into when they're just like turned loose on the world. Mm-hmm. Like, it's kind of true. Like, they're not the aggressors like perhaps it was portrayed in history but even still their actions if not their intent certainly created some destruction but they also very clearly have a moral code that they stick to and are they are swayed from but usually through trickery or it's very clearly portrayed as a like flaw within themselves that they have to struggle with um but that code of morality of uh, saving people hunting things threads its way throughout the entire show and really uh, is something that they try to stick to really hard and talk about a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Actually, so our episode that's currently airing, um, the one about heroism that I keep referring to, (laughs) um, we had a little debate about whether we think the Winchesters are ultimately heroes or anti-heroes sort of around these issues that we're talking about here again tonight. Mm-hmm. Do you have any opinions? No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, that's okay. <laughs> that's I, gave, okay. I gave my opinion. <laughs> I feel like my previous statement uh, <laughs> still applies. Well. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> 
Um, One of the things that sort of struck me recently about the show upon thinking about it is you never see the Winchesters in snow, (laughs) Um, which is a really interesting thing because they spend a lot of time in the Rockies where like Colorado and uh, Dakota, the Dakotas where there's a lot of snow or the Midwest where there's a lot of snow. And it's one of those things that um, makes the show kind of feel like a perpetual road trip because road trips are such a summer activity. And uh, well, yeah, I mean, like around here, at least, I mean, when it comes to our like spring sports, like you expect that, you know, the majority of it is going to be like in snow where you're going to be fighting snow. Mm-hmm. Uh, our you know track meet that we have the first weekend in may it almost always snows like 24 out of the last 29 i think it is years that they've had that track race in the first weekend of may it has snowed uh and then when it comes september it usually like we get a flurry like september or october mm-hmm. um even if it doesn't stick my mom's lived here for 50 years plus and she's had snow every month of the year mm-hmm. so yeah like wyoming definitely gets snow <laughs> so that's a good point like, <laughs> yeah oh man ryan do you remember the episode wendigo that i vaguely remember yeah it's set in colorado mm-hmm. uh, and they go um like hiking off into the backcountry yeah, and there's there's a cave involved, if I remember. Yeah, like an old mine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember this. Very fast. Yes. Very fast. Creepy monster. Yes. Yeah. The Wendigo. Yeah, this is one of the creepier episodes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it really <laughs> <I> agree. <laughs> Um. Yeah, so in that episode, they're like, all the locals are convinced that it's a bit dumb, but whatever. <laughs> um... If it was any wild animal, it would be a mountain lion. But what I'm moving on. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> we went on a great, great rant uh, before about how stupid that episode is. <laughs> um, and then, so they're, like, showing up to go off into the woods to, like, find the missing kids, right? Um, and so they meet... Uh, this girl um, who's hired a local guide to take her into the backcountry to find them. So they show up, and the main characters are wearing jeans and, like, biker boots, basic work boots. Yeah. Um, And Dean's got, like, some M&Ms for a snack. And the girl is wearing, like, itty-bitty shorts. And this is, like, October right it's not summer it's okay it doesn't look like october in the episode off. it might be set in october but that's clearly like june or uh, july or august like but it's supposed to be october there are no leaves there are no leaves changing how could it be october maybe all the leaves have fallen already i don't know <laughs> i don't know whatever she's wearing like tiny <laughs> shorts and she doesn't have any snacks and she has this itty bitty little backpack and she starts giving uh, Dean and Sam grief for wearing jeans and bringing M&M's. Thoughts. Feelings. I mean, people always give me a hard time about wearing shorts year-round. Well, yes, 
But, I mean, you, if you were going to go into the backcountry on like a search, right? Sure. And somebody showed up wearing jeans and you were wearing shorts, would you feel entitled to give them grief for jeans? No, I would not. <laughs> if I were going into the backcountry, I would probably wear appropriate gear. <laughs> probably not be my first choice. <laughs> See? See? <laughs> yeah. Neither shorts nor However, however I definitely do bring like Snickers and treats into the backcountry. Like, see, 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 see. That is also candy is like do. a good backpacking snack. Oh uh, yeah, of one sort or another. Even if it is in trail mix, like yeah. Well, I mean, Snickers is yeah. almost trail mix, right? Like it is almost that? trail mix. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's the all the parts you wanted in the trail mix without the extra peanuts. <laughs> yeah. Which not everybody always just doesn't want as much peanuts as trail mix gives them. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan agrees with me. I want this I, noted for the record. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> to be fair, you were 100% correct in your last rant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but in case anyone's who's listening, like, doesn't have any doubt. Yeah. If you guys are, a conv- if any of our listeners are confused or want to disagree with our uh, assessment of, proper backcountry etiquette and attire, please tweet at us and we will be happy to show you how you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, Supernatural spends a lot of time putting its characters in Wyoming, which is our home state. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm talking about Wyoming and this region of the West more generally, you know, like Bobby lives in South Dakota um, and so on. And that was just an interesting topic for us. Uh, This isn't quite as analytical an episode as some of our other ones, but um, I think really was more a chance for us to sort of explore Wyoming, think about how the show uses Wyoming in particular ways and ideas that are associated with Wyoming. Mm -hmm. And also, I mean, this is, going into what we're probably going to be talking about next episode, but also how it represents uh, the U.S. Yeah, so uh, starting this week, um, we're going to go through a short period of only posting once a month. It's going to be on the second Tuesday of each month while Rachel is in her boot camp. And we will resume our regular publishing schedule in uh, June. That's the plan right now. That might change, but we'll keep you guys updated. Uh, you can look out for updates on any changes to that in our social media, Tumblr and Twitter, uh, or we'll try and make announcements about changes like this um, in episodes of the podcast as well. Um, so thank you so much for joining us, Ryan. It was a lot of fun to have you and uh, chat for a bit and hear your expertise on Wyoming and cross-country skiing and all that. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. <laughs> if you uh, ever want to join us again in the future, you are always welcome. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, thank you. Dreams of the Past podcast is written, researched, and produced by Ray and Mish. You can reach them on Twitter at dreamspastpod, Tumblr at dreamsofthepastpodcast.tumblr.com, and email at dreamsofthepastpodcast at gmail.com. 
Dreams of the Past podcast is available on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Please rate and review us. Thanks to Benjamin Geyer and Lynn Music for our theme song, Lonesome Ranger. Awesome. <laughs> Don't you hang up on me. <laughs> that's, um, that's another thing that's uh, like, I think an integral part of Wyoming culture, even though I think Colorado gets a little bit more of this press than we do, but um, the like going into the backcountry and uh, sort of the hiking, hunting, uh, wilderness aspects. Like I think that most people think of Wyoming when they think of cowboys and like wide open plains and that sort of thing. But we also have a good chunk of the Rockies, and uh, especially where Lander is near the Wind Rivers, it's it's very mountainous. <laughs> yeah, I think, in my opinion, in my personal opinion, <laughs> I think Colorado gets more press because they have more front country than we do. Mm. Whereas Wyoming has largely back country. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Well, I'll say one thing in Colorado's defense, and that is that they do have more mountains that are taller than ours. Just flat elevation. That being said, like every mountain range is very, very different. Mm -hmm. Um, and like you look at you know the wind river range versus the absorcas versus the tetons versus the bighorns and they're all very very different mm-hmm. um people all often will the wind river range to uh yosemite mm-hmm. um that's a common like connection because we both have these large granite faces and apparently they look pretty similar i've never been to yosemite so i can't say but mm-hmm. apparently uh that is something that a lot of people will say. And the Wind River is what I think makes them most unique is that we have the highest concentration of glaciers in the lower 48, which mm. means lots and lots of lakes and streams. Mm-hmm. Um, plus mm-hmm. all the granite just adds for a very unique experience. Whereas you go up to like the Absorcas and I mean, I'm a little biased, but there is not much water. <laughs> <laughs> you can... Like in the winds, it is hard to hike like two miles without getting to water. Like you have water within a mile in just about any direction. Whereas you go up to the Absorcas and like you could, like there are definitely some parts where you could be hiking for three or four miles and not find anything. Mm-hmm. Which considering how much of Wyoming is desert, the wind rivers are sort yeah. of unique for Wyoming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and the fact that they sit right on top of the, like right above the Great Divide, mm. that I always found kind of interesting. Like, mm-hmm. you know, just this water, uh, for those of you who don't know, the Great Divide is where the Continental Divide splits in two for a little ways. And so any water that lands between those two lines never sees the ocean. Like it settles there and either evaporates back up into the clouds or disappears down into the earth, but it never pools and runs to the ocean which is neat yeah Yeah. that's pretty cool natural phenomenon Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. i like the absorcus they're pretty there's some pretty (laughs) parts to the (laughs) absorcus just come prepared for bear